Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Today, I'm speaking with my new friend, Michelle Warnica. Michelle is a soul purpose and higher consciousness coach. That might sound pretty heady, but boy, is she super divine. We discuss her own journey and transformation after she had a stroke to the place where she is now, where she is helping others to connect to their souls, to connect to their work, and then turning that into business. She's super inspirational, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michelle. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have a new friend, Michelle Warnica, with me today. Michelle is a spiritual guide, especially in business, and I think this is so fascinating. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you're merging the spirituality with the business side? Yeah, I'd be delighted. I've been in sales my whole life. I started selling when I was Little, you know, I started selling shoes and clothes and all that in the retail space. And then I went into telecommunication sales after college and spent 25 years in corporate America in sales. And then I really just got to the point, had some health issues and I, I just was, it wasn't serving me any longer. My industry had changed. If you know, telecommunication, we went from telephones to the internet pretty quickly my and the business changed a lot, and I was we kind of outgrown each other. It was like a relationship that we'd outgrown each other, and I really wanted to be of service, find a way to be of service. And while that was happening, I was going through. I didn't know it until a couple of years in that I was going through a really intense spiritual awakening. And in the last couple of years, I've downloaded like the ability to channel, the ability to really all these incredible intuitive abilities and spiritual gifts. And so now I use my business background and my new spiritual gifts, and I help other women figure out how to use their gifts to monetize and move into working for themselves so that they can earn a living instead of just dabbling. They can really do something for humanity because we're really all here to be of service to humanity. That's why we're here on the planet, I believe. That's beautiful. I totally agree. Can you talk a little bit about that that spiritual awakening? Were you aware of it when it was happening? And what was there some kind of impetus that led to it? Yeah, I think most people wake up when there's some sort of loss. I don't want to say most people, but a lot of spiritual awakenings happen when people go through some sort of loss, whether it's a loss of a marriage, the loss of a job, a health situation. I actually had a health, I had a stroke. And I was paralyzed on the left side. And that happened about 10 years ago. So quite a long time. I didn't really wake up all the way there, but it, it was like somebody shaking you. And I wasn't really, I was kind of groggy. I wasn't ready to snap out of it yet. I was on my spiritual path, but I was still not ready to go all in. And then I got laid off twice in one year. And the second time I just could tell that it was done. Like we were done with each other. And instead of beating my head against the wall, trying to find another job, like I saw so many people in my industry do, I just accepted it and I embraced it. And I said, okay, I'm just going, I'm just going to make this happen. 
And I started with network marketing, which I think a lot of people do. It's super easy because you get free coaching and um, you find a product you believe in. And it's a great way to, to really start on your personal development path. I think it opens a lot of doors. Mm. So when you had your stroke, do you look at that as like a lot of people do when they have uh, you know some kind of life-altering event, disease, cancer, things like that? Was that to you this kind of pause, like a button push that said, hey, reflect on what you're doing and are you walking in the path that you want to be walking in? And if not, change that? Well, it was... Um... Certainly, it was a wake-up call because I was very, in my opinion, I was very healthy. I really, I was eating right. I had a trainer. I was doing all the right things on the outside. How how old were you, if you don't mind me asking, when you had I the was stroke? In my forties. That's young. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing, and I was healthy. I was doing all the right things. However, I was really masking and hiding a drinking problem. I had experienced a really deep heartbreak years earlier. Alcohol became a way to self-medicate. And I did that for many years. And I really believe like there was a few weeks before that stroke that I was drunk one night. And I just said, I know this isn't the way that my life is supposed to go. I really know there's more out there for me. So please help me. And three weeks later, I had the stroke. So I oh. guess I think it was, I really asked for it. God said, okay, you want to be helped? Here you go. And so, yeah, it was a real gift. It, it gave me a glimpse into my, the future because there was a lot of older people there. And it gave me the gift of compassion, which I didn't have so much of back then. It also gave me the gift of surrender because there was a point when I was in rehab where I was trying to decide whether I was going to try and go home on my own, which I couldn't walk. And... Uh, I remember one day in rehab looking across the room, there was something I wanted across the room. And I'm like, well, I can't even get up and get that. I can't go home by myself. Who are you kidding? And uh, my sister generously had offered to take me in. She had a couple of kids in a big house and I was very close to them. And so I went and lived with her for about, I guess about five weeks. And I started within a couple of weeks, things really started started walking again and had a pretty miraculous recovery really. But I think it really was because I surrendered. I just was like, I don't, I'm powerless over this. It's happened to me for a reason. I don't know what that is yet. I have a brain injury. I'm not going to figure it out, but I know that there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to do whatever the doctors tell me to do. And I'm just going to go with it. And be That's my incredible. I don't know if you know, my background is in neurodevelopmental training, which is a specialization I got after graduate school, working with brain-injured clients. So I worked a lot with stroke patients. And I, I always use that as an example for my own appreciation of health. And I remember every time I would work with one, I would say, I'm never going to take for granted, like you just talked about, like getting up and answering the door without thinking about all the steps that are needed for that. We just take all these things for granted until they're taken away from us, unfortunately. And I think there is just a level of appreciation of, for me for witnessing it and seeing the struggle in recovering brain function, uh, motor function. But I imagine that that left you with this amazing sense of grace and humility and appreciation that probably wasn't there before until you had experienced this. 
Yeah, it really was. And, you know, so many people that were there, they have these strokes and then they're, they're angry because everything's been taken away from them. There's so much anger there. And I was just, I witnessed all this. And even though I wasn't, you know, cause you, with the thing about having a stroke is you look, I looked fine. Like if you saw me, my face was a little bit droopy, but I looked fine. And then when I started walking, I was just really slow. So people didn't really know what was happening. They didn't know I'd had a stroke. It wasn't like you had a big cast on your brain to let people know, warning, brain injury. And so people really, that was part of the problem was that people, if they can't see the injury, it's like it doesn't exist. And then they start thinking you're just being a bitch or you know, what's wrong with her? Why is she acting like that? Well, I had a brain injury. You know, I know you didn't see me while I was paralyzed, but it's only been six months, you know, because it takes a long time for your brain to recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that because I often think of what we don't see, you know, and I remember this was weeks back. I mean, months back, I was crossing the street with a friend and this woman was, you know, we were crossing and not jaywalking or anything, but she was in a hurry and she was just beeping like, come on, hurry up. And I thought to myself, suppose I had some kind of like, you know, brain injury where I really couldn't walk fast. Like that's really unkind to just be in such a hurry that we're not aware. Uh, we, We don't have to, like I always say, we don't have to know someone's story, but just to have that sense of compassion that in, in these small ways, whether it's like slowing down a little bit to allow somebody to walk by, or it is, you know, like not knowing exactly what's going on, why you might be delayed in responding or walking and, and just being more compassionate. I think that's certainly needed. So can you talk a little bit about how that, how you parlayed that experience, the businesses, your stroke to this place you are in now, the spiritual business, the spiritual guide for business people? Yeah, I think the stroke, it's funny that you bring up that example of people crossing the street because I used to be that person's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And now when somebody's crossing the street, I'm really conscious of, I feel, look at how hunched over they are. I feel so bad for that person. They must be in a lot of pain. And then my compassion goes out because I really, I know what it's like. I can't, I still can't run. My foot doesn't flex all the way. And so I'm not the fastest person. I'm, I get there. I'm the hare, you know, I'll get where I'm going, but I'm not, or the turtle. That's what I'm, the tortoise. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that compassion was a really, really, was a big gift for me. And also because I didn't know if I was going to go home and live alone, I'm very, very, very independent. And so it allowed me to ask for help, which is something that I really didn't know how to do. I was doing everything on my own. And now I realize how people want to be asked for help. People want to help you. They just don't know what to do. So you just have to let them know, you know what? I really need some help. It would be so awesome if you could do this for me. And nine out of 10 times, if that person has that ability to do it, they're going to do it for you. And it's going to make them feel good that they can give. Yes, yes. So what I do now is I kind of lurk around in the, Facebook groups, there's a really active stroke community. If you know anyone that's listening that somebody had a stroke and you need some guidance or support, there's a beautiful um, stroke book, stroke community on Facebook that has thousands and thousands of members. And there's new people having strokes that post in there every day. 
So I go in there and, and, you know, give them my two cents on things. It really has helped me. I was always a big fan of alternative healing, but the stroke really, you know, I've tried so many different alternative modalities to heal myself. You know, as soon as I had my stroke and got out of the rehab, I started doing acupuncture and, you know, I spent probably $30,000 that year in physical therapy over and above all my medical bills, which were probably a quarter of a million dollars, you know? So it showed me that one of the biggest lessons with stroke is that when you stop trying, that's as good as you're ever going to get. And that's a great metaphor for life. It is such a great metaphor. You're right. I always talk about this in my yoga practice and teaching is that we are training for life and that training doesn't ever stop. You know, because we're going to have peaks and valleys, we're going to have challenges, physical and mental, and we need to be prepared for them to handle them as gracefully as possible. And you're right. And and of course, with a stroke, you know, they often, the medical profession will often kind of give you that end, the expiration date. Well, you're not going to recover much beyond this. But I've worked with stroke patients well beyond that kind of quote unquote healing time period. And they've made incredible changes because the brain is plastic. It has this capability of of rewiring and remapping. And I think it is such a great metaphor for life to think that like, let's continue to learn, to take in knowledge. We're never done. We shouldn't get to the end of our life and think, I did it all. We'd like to, but we're not going to be able to if we want it, but we can work on it every single day. So I think that's a beautiful metaphor. And it's really, you know, I, in the, in that stroke group, I've had, I've seen posts where people are like, my doctor told me if I wasn't walking in six months and I would never walk again. And it's six months today and I'm still not walking. You know, I'm so depressed, you know, and then you'll see, do you want to, about suicide? All because the doctor sets this expectation on them. And the truth of the matter is whether you have a stroke or whether you're just a normal person you can always learn and evolve more than you are. You're never, like you said, you're never done. So I think that, you know, with this business that I started, you know, in my late 40s, really, really recreating myself and letting my identity die so that I could create this new person was really frightening. And it was very emotional and painful. And I think that, I'm inspired by, you know, what I've done. And when days would get really hard, those are the days I would say to myself, you know, you recovered from a stroke. There was days when you didn't know if you were even going to be able to go to the bathroom by yourself. If you can get through that, you can get through this, you know? (laughs) Yes. You see the depth of our resiliency, truly, when you've, you know, endured something like that. How do you bring that into your teachings and and working with other women? I know in particular, your goal is to empower other women to turn their business, make their business successful in in the spiritual realm. Can you give examples of some of the work you do? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is changing the way that you view the world and in terms, these are big shifts. You know, you're not going to have these in a, a workshop, but, you know, understanding that everything happens for you, not to you, and really reframing that mindset. It's really, really, really important. And also believing in a higher power because we have 
we can't do this alone. We're not meant to do it alone. We're surrounded by all these beautiful beings that are here to help. And all we have to do is ask. And so I'm a, I share with my clients how to connect to their higher self, how to connect to their soul team, how to channel all their work so that you don't have to be thinking all the time. Because with this new earth energy that we're living in, the people that really survive and thrive are going to be the ones that move out of their head and into their heart and start to really work from that place of how of being of service because we're all here to serve each other. We've been too reliant on you know, finding other people, finding a job to pay us and then the government to pick up the pieces where other people are missing. And we have to start relying on ourselves because we have it all within us to support ourselves, to take care of ourselves, to heal ourselves. It's all right there within you. Beautiful. So what do you do when you have someone who comes to you and is just very forlorn, feeling really low, doesn't feel like she has a lot of energy, knows that she wants to do something to be of service, but doesn't even know where to begin? How how do you start with someone like that? Well, I believe that we all have the answers within. And one of my gifts is guided visualization. So I like to take people inside and start to guide them through questioning, to ask, you know, to connect them to their soul and to their inner voice, to find the answers to all the questions that they have. And then usually after one of those experiences, especially if I take them to meet their future self and their future self, I had one client and she said, well, my future self said, if I do this, then everything else will fall into place. And I'm like, great, well, let's focus on that. And so, you know, then we get the answer what the next step is, because we really have all the answers within. Sometimes you just need someone to guide you to find it. I think that's so true. And I that sounds incredibly helpful because, you know, we're so distracted by what we are conditioned to believe is what we're supposed to be doing, whether it's from our childhood, from our um, environment, you know, being in a job for 20 years and, you know, like this seems so challenging to leave a job that's actually not fulfilling and not in line with my actual purpose. Um, that takes a lot of courage to be able to shift. And I think like asking the questions, you know, if what money were not to matter, what would you want to be doing? Because at the end of the day, if you're doing what's in alignment with your heart, you can make money doing it. It doesn't matter if it's as much money as you might be making in a corporate gig where you're super unhappy. Like that, like our currency has to be defined more than monetary. It's it's our emotional, it's our it's spiritual, energetic currency that's as important as well. Yeah, and you can see that with people's health. So many people getting sick. I don't know very many people in their 40s or 50s that haven't had some sort of health issue unless they really health was a priority for them their whole entire life. But if you're living the average life where you're just going to work and coming home five days a week or even more, your your health really suffers. And health is a big part. That's another part of the stroke and gift. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So what kind of health changes did you make after having the stroke? Besides, it sounds like giving up alcohol or at least minimizing it. Yeah, I minimized alcohol for a while and then it just became clear that it was time to let it go. And so I have been sober now for a couple of years, but that was the biggest one. And the rest, you know, because I had one of the reasons I had such a great recovery was because I had such a great workout ethic. 
you know, I probably worked out three to five days a week with a personal trainer. I had private Pilates classes. I was, you know, pretty, was making a good living. So I, I did all those things and I always hate healthy. So I didn't have to make a lot of shifts myself, except for the drinking and, and just really working at getting my mind over matter to continue to rehabilitate. And, uh, and sometimes it's just talking about, it. I remember I was two years in and I was still hunting and pecking, you know, on the typewriter with my index finger, which would get really sore, by the way. It's not a way to type on a regular basis. And so I was telling somebody how with stroke, you only are as good as where you stop trying. And as I was saying it, I thought, oh, I've stopped trying to type because it's so frustrating. And I was just starting a new job then because I had tra- my old job was I was on the road a lot. And so I took a new sales position where I wouldn't be flying around so much. And I decided it was the perfect opportunity to start using my left hand to type. And now, let's see, that was, well, that was eight years ago, but I type pretty well. I'm still not 100%, but compared to where I was, if I would have just said, oh, well, it, it is what it is and just kept doing that, then... I don't know. This one finger, I don't even know if it'd be well. <laughs> yeah. You probably have some major tendonitis in that finger. Yeah. So what are some tips you can get? Like what are some marketing and business tips you can give to women that are looking to get into, or say, you know, like yoga teachers, obviously that's a huge population that I deal with that are looking to expand their business. What would be some initial tips you would give them? Well, the number one thing to start with and that never really goes away is audience building. You have to have an audience. You have to have people that, you know, build your tribe, people that love you, people that understand you. Maybe they're not even going to buy from you, but they're going to talk about you to other people because referrals are incredible. So you want to build your community online, especially if you're going to be an online person. You want to build your email list. You want to build your following on Instagram. I love the Facebook groups that they have now. I find them really supportive, especially as we are you know, having to stay home, that these Facebook groups are all around similar interests. And so you can find the right group for you. There's a lot of really supportive business communities where you can get a lot of free information and get a lot of answers to your questions. That's the place to start. Don't start with a website and business cards and a business plan and create this whole class where you have a following. You know, when I started, I just put together a list of of people that I knew. I started with, I don't know, 20, 25 people. And I just said, hey, I'm starting an email list and, and you're my people. If you don't want to be on it, then just let me know. I'll take you off. And then I just kept building from there. And also, Meetup is a really great way to build community. I think that. Now it's so much better because they're doing things online. So I have a few meetups and I have people show up from all over the world. Mm. Before it was just LA. Now I have people from, you know, the UK and New Zealand, wherever they show up. So and so what do you what do you offer in these meetups? Really workshops. I'm a huge transformation junkie. I just think that. I think everybody should transform into the best they can be. And so I offer that opportunity to as many people as possible. And when I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started out, 
I knew I wanted to be a coach of some sort. I didn't know what kind. I knew I was going to be in transformation. And I was working. I created a business supporting coaches and healers as an assistant. And I had gone and I used to go to a lot of workshops, anything free or you know under $100, I was there. I just knew I needed to learn about marketing. I knew that I wanted an online business. And I went to this one women's entrepreneur place group event. And they at the end, you could ask for something and then give a gift to something. And I said to them, I support two or three coaches that all do events and need speakers. So if any of you'd like to speak, please give me your card and just put on the back what you would speak about. I walked away with a huge envelope full of cards. And so I was in yoga one day and during Shavasana and I, I heard, I was just starting to hear, I'm clear audience, and I was just starting to get downloads at that time. And I heard, you don't need to give those cards to anyone. You can start your own community and just have those women come to your house and do the speaking. You can collaborate with them on events and they can deliver it with their expertise while you're figuring out what you want to do. And so that's what I did for about a year and a half. And that was really incredible. I learned so much about hosting events. And I was able to collaborate with these women. And so we did all the events based on stuff that I loved and stuff that I was interested in, but wasn't ready to teach on. And that was really great. And then I also built my email list through that too, people coming to those events. Wow. So that's another uh, for, for people out there who are wondering how to build an email list, which is really big because those are the people that are going to learn about you if you have their emails to begin with. But it sounds like hosting events or collaborating with other people in events is a great way to kind of maximize the return on your time and investment in getting people to that. Because so many people aren't ready. You know, they're like, they, they're ready, but they don't feel like they're ready. And so and they just wait and then they want to get certified. They want to take a course. You know, you don't need to get certified and take all those courses. You need experience. You need to take action. So if you can find people that you like and get along with and you can collaborate with them, you can do joint events too. Maybe they have one gift and you have another gift and you two could work together and really create an event together. There's nothing greater than when women come together to collaborate. Oh, I totally agree. Can you um, tell us a little about what are the titles of one of those events that would have been like, you know, gotten a lot of people to come? Well, I, I don't remember all the titles, but I can tell you that the, what we did, all the stuff that I love, manifesting, intuition. We did one on chanting, Ayurveda. I love Ayurveda. And oh, so you're really, you're really learning about everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very holistic. I, I spent a year in an Ayurveda program mm. and really that changed a lot of the way I live my life. You know, I make sure and eat with in my certain times, make sure to get bed to bed at certain times. Turn me on to qigong, which I love. Oh, beautiful! So you bring that Ayurveda training into like with working with a client, figuring out their dosha and things like that, or is that something just for yourself? That's just for me. I have a friend that's an expert in that, so if somebody's, I'm happy to introduce them to the concepts. Mm-hmm. If it's something they want to go deeper on, then I would definitely. I think that's yeah. I think that's also an important thing is that you can have a lot of interests that you might not actually utilize in your business. I think, in fact, honing in on what you want 
to be your kind of calling card, so to speak, will be helpful because there's there are a lot of women out there who have a lot of interest, who've gotten certifications, who've done this, who've done that. And then they're just kind of like stymied. Like, what do, where do I go? And I think, again, it's like choosing what is really calling you to help with others. I, I, I think it's big because sometimes if you have too many things that you're like our hobbies, you can't quite figure out how to turn it into a business. Yeah, it is. Especially if you have a lot of things. Uh, I was listening to somebody on, uh, I think he wrote a book. Uh, he was saying a really good way to do that if you have a lot of things is to make a list of every single thing that you're interested in. And then just to kind of connect the dots. It was somebody on Mind Valley. You don't do you know Mind Valley? Mm, I've heard of it. It's an online school. They have incredible classes. Hmm. Their classes are around $300. And then they're all transformational. And then you can get an all access pass. They just lowered their price. It used to be like seven, add $700 for all access because they have tons of like 40 different classes you can take. This year it went down to $4.99. So there was a class I wanted to take for $2.99 or you pay $4.99 and you get access to like 40 different classes. Oh, and he was saying how he had all these interests. And one of them was photography. I don't remember how he linked them all, but there was, he was able to take three or four things that were on this list of like 100 and link them all together in one area, in one business, so that he was using all the things that he loved. Mm. So when you work with someone, do you prefer one-on-one or do you do these group awakening workshops or do you do it all? Can you tell us a little bit about your own business so if someone wants to contact you, they'll know the best way to do that? Sure. I like doing it all. I like the one-on-one because it's really intimate and some women are shy and they don't really operate well in groups, especially if they have a lot going on in their life, if there's trauma or something. So the one-on-ones are great. And with the one-on-ones, I can do healing. I'm an energy healer as well. Um, But there's something magical that happens in the group. The group is where you really, you see I'm not alone. You see there's other people struggling with this too. Because so often we feel like we're the only one going through this and it's very isolating. And there's something reassuring about knowing that other people feel your pain too. And that you can be in this group. With my Facebook, I've just started a new Facebook group and we're starting to have events and it's just lovely to see them all coming together. I've started introducing some collaboration opportunities for them, but I'm all about connection. That's my gift is I love to connect with people and I love to connect people to the divine and I love to connect people to other people. Mm. That's my gift. So I am now trying to help other people to learn how to connect in ways that they're not used to because we're so used to only connecting in person. Being online, you can connect even easier. A few of the women entrepreneur groups that I'm in, they have what they call coffee chats. Have you heard of these? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you just ask someone, hey, I'd really like to get to know you better. Do you have 15 minutes? We can do coffee over Zoom. And then it's really just like getting to know each other and seeing if there's a way that you two can collaborate or maybe it's something or work together, or maybe it's just meeting a new friend, you know, but it's, you shouldn't be shy about it. I've introduced the concept to my group. They haven't really jumped in yet. 
Yeah, so I was going to say like, there's so many people like who are kind of identified as introverts, and that to them would be horrible, I think, for the most part. But or maybe not one on one, but in a group setting. So I think it's true. It's good to know yourself, but it's also good to challenge what you perceive yourself to be, because sometimes we we put ourselves in boxes like, oh, I get social anxiety, or I don't really, you know, like to be in groups. And in fact, some of those people I know personally who have who've gone through some of my trainings or where there's group activities and it they surprise themselves and they kind of find this this new level where, yes, I do like to spend a lot of time alone. I do derive energy mostly internally. However, I do grow when I put myself in the situation of being in a group dynamic or even whether it's small or large. And so I, I think that it's important for all of us to realize that if you're out there listening and you think I could never do that, that's just not in my, you know, that's not comfortable. It's sometimes that's what we need is we need to be sometimes a little uncomfortable to get to that kind of next level, that next layer of our our transformation, of our evolution. And I love how you said unabashedly that this is your gift. I think this is really important for people to kind of claim that there was a woman I, I went to a, a talk years ago, and she talked about how in the if you've played Scrabble, in the middle of the Scrabble board, there's this it's the free square, you know, and it's like, and she's like, everybody has a free square. And what that means is there is something unique, magical, and as a gift that all of us have. And we can look at other people and see what their gifts are. But it's really important to claim, like, what is your free square? What is that thing that the free square meaning you were just given it? This is what you were given. You were born. It was within you. Maybe it didn't show up until later in life, but it was within you. And so I really appreciate how you speak about that in a way that I hope other people, especially women, because women tend to be kind of more humble or more self-effacing, that we can say, like, this is a gift that I was born with. And that's not arrogant. That's just acknowledging. That's acknowledging it. Yeah. And I think sometimes the challenge with it is that it, when it's your gift, it comes so easy to you. You don't even see it as anything, you know? And I really just started claiming this recently because people be like, well, Michelle, you know, when you meet people, I just, I feel you make them feel so welcome. There's just something about you that you do. And I'm like, oh, well, anyone can do that. But no, anyone can't. You know, that's just something that I do without even thinking. So sometimes women too have a gift that they do that they love and it comes so easy for them. And so they also are shy about charging for it. Mm. Go to build a business around it. How can I charge people for that? It's something I love doing. I would do it for free. I know. I remember the like the first year I got paid in physical therapy. Every time I get a check, I'm like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for that. And it's because I love it. And it's like it char- it's it's rechargeable. You know, it's renewing. But that is such an important. Uh, you know, we have. I don't know if it's societal or again like gender specific, but we do have some weird stuff about around money and about charging and about like you know our worth. And then there's people who I think kind of don't understand that element of it and have an assumption. And this is, you know, of course, the millennials, unfortunately, have been really uh, got slapped with this label of like, 
thinking they deserve more than they do. And I think there's like this balance of understanding that if you have something to offer, you should charge for it. But you also have to work. You have to work hard. P.S. of millennials, I love you. I think that's a terrible label, but that is whether it's you, the millennials or some, there are people out there who don't necessarily do the work and think that the money should just come. And I think it's that balance of if you're doing something that you love, that you actually would indeed do for free, then that's that's where you should be doing it, right? Like you should be you should be working in that realm, and then you should charge for it. You deserve to to have because that's a transaction. That's a transaction of your energy, and that's a transaction of someone appreciating your talent, your expertise. But there's work that goes into that. Yeah, but I think one of the things that I teach about too is the paradigm shift that work doesn't have to be hard. You know, we've been programmed that to be successful, we have to work hard. And that's not really the case. Obviously, when you're starting a business, there's a lot to do. And so there, there is some hard work involved. But really, ultimately, when you're building your business, you want to build it so that you're not creating a job for yourself, so that you're creating a lifestyle, something that will take you into a balanced and happy life. Amen. I love that. Yes. And I think when you're doing it, I know for myself, knowing that I have found that early in life, it's it, it really, it continues to energize you. And so if you are someone who looks at someone else and they're like, they have so much energy, you know, they're, they're accomplishing so much. Maybe it's that they're working smart. They're not working hard. They're working smart because they're doing what they were meant to do. Yeah. And there's little tricks too. I just had an event this weekend. It was called No More Hard Work, Living 2021 in Ease and Flow. And um, oh, can you give us a couple of tidbits from that? <laughs> yeah. It's three simple things that you can add into your work day every day to help keep your energy level up because that's really the most important thing. And I'll share with you that the three things are gratitude. And I don't mean just being grateful and giving it lip service. I mean, really sitting in a place of gratefulness where you feel it in your heart. You know, I mean, just sit for 30 seconds now and be grateful for something and see how that shifts the energy in your whole body. See, it just, it's just a shift. So gratitude's the number one. The second was keep it moving, which means that, you know, don't, be in one place. Don't sit for two or three hours hunched over your computer. Get up every 45 minutes and move around, you know, dance. Amen, sister. You're talking to me. Yes. This is what I preach about all the time. Yeah. Go ahead. Dance, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I have a kettlebell by my desk. I do that. Um, Qigong, it moves the energy around. There's so many things that you can do to just take a walk. Also, if you're doing something and you're stuck, you don't seem to be getting anywhere and you're just getting frustrated, move along, move to something else. Don't sit on something that you're stuck on because you're not going to get unstuck by sitting there. You have to just move it and do something else. Mm, The third thing is to work in your zone of brilliance. And um, this is also called the zone of genius. I like zone of brilliance because brilliance is defined as intense, bright light. And so when you're working in your intense, bright light, then like we were just talking about, it's so easy. You're so happy. Time just goes by. 
So work in as much as you can in your zone of brilliance and anything that is not in your zone of brilliance, find someone else to do it. You know, I learned early in my entrepreneurship that there was stuff that just kept moving from my to-do list every single day. It just never got done. And it just moved from one day to the next day to the next day. Finally, after about a month, I'm like, I'm never doing that. (laughs) I need to hire someone to do that. (laughs) And now we can outsource so easily on Fiverr or Upwork or all these different places. It doesn't make sense to do stuff yourself. You know, Just find someone else to do it. Oh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that too. Because those things that you're not good at that really suck your time and energy are are not going to be benefiting you. So hiring somebody else for it is actually going to give you a huge return on your money, on your energy, and um, just that feeling of being able to stay shining in your own brilliance. I love that. Well, you are definitely shining in your brilliance. You are a brilliant light. It's, uh, It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Can you just give everybody listening one last kind of how to find you, what's up for you, what do you have upcoming that anybody here can participate in? Sure. I have a Facebook group. It's called Soul Guided Entrepreneurs. And you can actually find the whole class, No More Hard Work, Living 2021 and Ease and Flow, in that Facebook group. And it has a visualization that will walk you through your work and what your zone of brilliance is. And also, you'll have some ahas around your life and really what makes you happy. So that's a great place to connect. I'm building a really great community there. And also I have my website, michellewarnica.com. And I'm on Instagram at michelle.warnica. And LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Michelle Warnica. That's wonderful. Well, please, everyone, check out Michelle Warnica and the, yeah, find your zone of brilliance with her um, inspiration and aspiration. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining. A pleasure to speak to you, Laura. Thank you so much. And for all of you listening, as always, I'm pulling for you. 